People of Note on Fine Music Radio is proudly brought to you each week at this time by Peter Turin Productions. This is Fine Music Radio and it's People of Note. Now, here's something. I wonder if you've seen or heard anything about a brand new orchestra that's been formed in South Africa. It's called the Mother City Orchestra. And this is a full-time professional touring orchestra that will have its home base here in Cape Town. But they plan to travel with popular concerts, such as their inaugural concerts on the Strauss Gala, for example. There'll be nights at the opera, Mozart evenings, and so on. And there'll be picnic-style concerts at wine farms, such as Daria, Neutgedacht, Grand Roche, etc., They've auditioned a whole lot of young musicians to be part of this orchestra, as I say, a full-time professional orchestra, and the conductor is Xavier Kluter. Now, you might remember his name, having won in 2013 the Len van Sale Conductors' Competition, and we had him here as a guest on Fine Music Radio, and um, he spent a long time now in Bloemfontein, being their lecturer of orchestral conducting and studies, and also resident conductor of the orchestra there, the Odeon School of Music. But now, with this new orchestra, Xavier will move to Cape Town, where the orchestra, as I say, will be based, and... Um, do all the traveling. So, Xavier, welcome to Fine Music Radio. Good morning, Rodney. Thank you for having me again. It's good to see you once again. You spent, what, six years in Bloemfontein? Six years it was in Bloemfontein. Yeah, it was a kind of a sharpening of the trade, <laughs> I yes. can call it. It, it was a very educational uh, journey for me, mm-hmm. being in Bloemfontein. Working with a student orchestra there was fantastic for me. Yeah. Um, it was a, a great teaching environment, both for the orchestra and for myself. I'm glad you said for yourself, because I'm sure with, an, with a student orchestra, you possibly have to work much harder than with a professional orchestra. Of course, of course. Every rehearsal is a teaching environment. Yes. Yes. So you would have heard a slight maybe smile in my voice when I said a new orchestra here, the Mother City Orchestra. So, Xavier, I just want to start to put things in context here. As you know, the the big orchestras here, the professional orchestras, Cape Town, KZN, PO and Johannesburg are battling to survive. And suddenly we're hearing about a new orchestra that's going to be touring the country. How is this possible? How did this come about? Well, the orchestra was the brainchild of Chris Ludovic. He's our CEO. And the the idea came at about 2015. And uh, something happened in his family. His sister passed away, and those plans were put on hold. And uh, last year, um, I contacted him and asked him, are they still going ahead with the orchestra? And uh, he said, of course, because I wanted to initially be part of the orchestra as, as a bassoonist. And then uh, he said, well, they are looking for a conductor. And I said, well... I'm your guy. <laughs> yes, of course, yeah. of course. And um, so since last year, November, I've uh, started reaching out to musicians, um, sending out emails and getting some kind of interest. And uh, that's what led to the inauguration in just February. T- just tell us who Chris Ludovic is. Chris Ludovic is the CEO of the orchestra. Um, he's a lawyer by profession. Um, he also has uh, affiliated to, to MCO, is NTO, the National Theatre Organization, uh, which is a company more focused on um, theater productions. Uh, we also, um, this is news, uh, have launched an opera company, Diva Opera, and uh, we are planning to do opera as well next year, also on a tour, touring basis. 
And when you say a touring basis, does this mean touring properly like to smaller towns as well as to the cities? Yes, uh, we will tour to smaller towns with the orchestra and the opera because sometimes the audiences, you have to, you have to go to your audience. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people who would like to attend concerts live 200 or 300 kilometers away and they don't have the means to, to attend a concert. So by, by touring to the audience, we are effectively expanding on our audiences. And your players seem to me to be fairly young, which is a good thing, isn't it? Because you've given a chance. Where did you find them? Or I know you said you sent out emails and so on. Um, and now you've managed to get together a full symphony orchestra. Where did you find them all? So the orchestra members are from all around South Africa. Uh, we had people relocating from Johannesburg. Our concert master is from Pretoria. Uh, we've got musicians from Bloemfontein. We've got musicians from Durban. Um, I basically sent out a lot of emails to everybody that I know, finding out who is interested, who would want to audition, and everybody replied and said, contact this one, contact that one. And and at the end of the day, I had more than 100 applications <laughs> That's good, for the gosh. orchestra, um, which I had to reduce um, to about 65, and from that 65, um, the orchestra was chosen. And so you then had to do a whole audition process. You did full auditions, presumably. That's correct. I did auditions. Um, we used the FISMA um, at uh, the Conservatorium at Stellenbosch. And um, yeah, it was about four days of auditions to get through. <laughs> I had um, some of the principal um, musicians that I, that I approached um, help me that was on the panel. And uh, we had a good time. <laughs> we, had, we went out for some celebratory drinks afterwards. <laughs> uh, but it was successful. It was uh, Our musicians are top class, uh, very good, very professional. And uh, we've had a few concerts, and I can see that they are starting to gel now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, you just this last week had your inaugural concert here in Cape Town, didn't you? Uh, or where was it? It was in Franschhoek. In Franschhoek, yeah. yes. La Residence. And now that was like a Strauss, because we said a Strauss-type galas. This is what you're going to do. Are you going to concentrate on the more popular music and perhaps not do the symphonic repertoire? Yes. I, I feel that it, it's, it's, it's a little bit more relaxing for, for audience members. We had people laying on blankets on, the, on their backs, yeah. having a glass of wine. Yeah, the, the, the atmosphere should be relaxed. We don't want to create, uh, especially for the non-regular concert goers, the perception of having to sit up straight in your seat and be too scared to open a suite or, <laughs> you know, with a fear of being stared at. Or so. yeah. we, we, we are going off to a very relaxed environment with the audiences. Hence your picnic concerts uh, on wine farms and so on, where people literally can take a picnic basket and a blanket and sit and listen to the music. Is that right? That's correct. That's correct. At La Residence, where we were on Sunday, it was a full sold-out concert. Extra tickets were sold, and people thoroughly enjoyed the concert because it was such a relaxed environment. People brought their dogs. Yeah. <laughs> the kids were there. People were eating, having a snack while enjoying the music. Yeah, and the musicians probably loved it, playing together. This is People, every time I speak to a musician, they say they just desperately want to play again. That's correct. That's correct. The musicians enjoyed it. It was it was our first concert, yeah. and uh, they played their hearts out. Okay. It was it was for for some of them. It was the first time in a year and a half that they actually played um, a live concert. Let's have your first piece of music, Xavier. Your intermezzo. I see you've asked for the intermezzo from Cavalleria Rusticana. And is there a special reason for this apart from the fact that it's a beautiful piece? Yeah. 
it was my mom's uh, favorite. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to get a little emotional. Yeah, it was her favorite piece of music. Thank and you. Yeah, and that's 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 for her. That's, that's a good her, yeah. that's a good introduction. Thanks. Yeah. Let's have the intermezzo by Mascagni from Cavalleria Rusticana.
the intermezzo from the opera Cavalleria Rusticana by Pietro Mascagni, and the first choice of my guest on People of Note this week, Xavier Clutter, the conductor of the newly formed Mother City Orchestra. And we've been talking about this orchestra and how it came into being. And there's one question I absolutely have to ask you, and I'm not entirely sure how you're going to answer, but where did the money come from? Well, it's all private funding. Is it? Yeah, Is it's it? all private funding. I thought it was the best route to, to get private funding, myself and Chris. Um, I'm, uh, apart from the, being the conductor and the resident conductor, I'm also a director uh, on the board of the orchestra. And we just thought it would be best to get private funding uh, because there's less red tape, if I can mm-hmm. call it like that. Uh, there's yeah, no, less red true. tape attached to, to that. You, you, you have liberty to do whatever you'd like. Yeah. Is it like a sort of Section 21 company, that sort of thing? Um, I'm not too sure. Oh, okay, um, I think I, that's, yeah. yeah. Uh, because I think Fine Music Radio is a Section 21 company where we rely a lot on donations yes. and things like that. Yes. And it has a board and all that. Yes, yes, I'm, I'm okay. on the board as well. I'm, I'm, uh, myself and Chris are part of the directors of the orchestra. Uh-huh. Yeah. So getting back to the actual orchestra, how much did, did you have to work quite a lot with rehearsals to get them sounding right or whether is it have you managed to get yourself a good batch of musicians yeah it was surprisingly good at the first rehearsal was it yeah uh, uh, the musicians gelled in the rehearsal very quickly uh-huh. i thought it was going to take uh, about two rehearsals for them to get used to me uh, my conducting and uh, playing together uh, because for some of them uh, especially for the musicians that are not from cape town uh, it was the first time for them playing together in an ensemble uh, mm-hmm. of this magnitude. Uh, but it was surprising to me that they, they took to each other like duck to water, they would <laughs> say. <laughs> As they say. Yeah. So with rehearsals and things, these people, have they had to relocate to Cape Town, the musicians? Or do they fly down when there are concerts? Yes, many of them relocated to Cape Town. Uh, I think there are about uh, 12 in the orchestra that are not from Cape Town. Uh, some that were from Cape Town but were living in other provinces that eventually moved back. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of them relocated to Cape Town to be part of this orchestra. Yeah, and I saw on your website, I think it was a bus taking you around. Have you? Is, yeah. You're going to an orchestra bus will take you to these towns close, apart from when you have to fly. Yes, we we formed a collaboration with Al Josa Bus Company, and uh, we we are planning to get a bus on a wet lease. Uh, uh, can I say situation or, mm-hmm. or wet lease process? So we're going to have the bus branded, and then they will be our official um, transportation uh, for when we go on tour. Very nice luxury bus with aircons <laughs> and USB <laughs> ports and plugs and everything. Else. So, so uh, we were very impressed with the bus company. Yeah, um, we spoke to the owner um, Johannes, a very accommodating person. And uh, we formed a very good relationship with them, and uh, we will be using their transport. Gosh, it all uh, sounds very positive, <laughs> and oh, it's yes. nice to see you smiling so yeah. in a satisfied way. Very, very satisfied <laughs> with it. They are very professional, and uh, as soon as we send an email or make a phone call, everything is within five minutes. Everything is arranged. My goodness me! Yeah. <laughs> so that must also make you and feel secure. You don't have to worry. And having a branded bus, I think, is a great idea. Yes, that yeah, it takes a lot of uh, extra stress away if if uh-huh. the transport is sorted for the musicians, and because we've got percussion instruments and everything, and everything fits quite nicely onto the bus and into the bus. So that's one less 
thing to worry about. Yeah, gosh. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you about conducting. I said that you won the 2013 Lenfin Sale Conductors Competition, and part of that meant that you went overseas to Philadelphia, for example, and worked with Yannick Neze Segron, who's a very big name now. He's the conductor of the Philadelphia Order of the Met. Yeah. And we commented on the fact that he was short. Yeah. And then you said something very interesting. You said you wish you were short. Um, and I don't want you to explain that because it was such an interesting story that you prefer smaller movements as a shorter man would do. Or just explain to me what you mean. Yes. What I meant was not really that short. <laughs> just just <laughs> maybe 10 centimeters shorter because, yeah, and I have my body in relation to that l- length because as a conductor, being a little taller means that every gesture you make is amplified. So the shorter or the less uh, movements you make, the more compact your conduct. It's less for the orchestra to focus on. Mm-hmm. If you're swinging your arms about or you're looking clumsy, uh, it, it creates a lot of confusion amongst the orchestra members. They don't know where to look or what to follow. Or yeah. Your gestures look very amplified. And I prefer conducting a little smaller, uh, like one of my teachers used to say, Imagine that you are conducting in this little box in front of you. I don't like this elaborate arms wide spread. And I like to be a little bit more compact. And it feels to me that, that, I, f- that, I, that I do that because <laughs> I'm so tall. And, and, and so I, I would prefer to be a little bit more compact. Oh, well, we can't help that, <laughs> I'm afraid. <laughs> no. Nothing <laughs> we can do can help that. But, um, Xavier, let's take another piece of music. Then I want to ask you about this fascinating thesis you did about body language and conducting and so on. But your piece is the Romance for Bassoon. And I know, as you've said, you're a bassoonist yourself. Your first job was as a bassoonist in the Yorkshire Natal, wasn't it? That's correct. That's correct. So you've chosen Elgar's Romance for Bassoon. Yes, yes. This one is dedicated to Ingo Holland. He was my teacher. And uh, uh, this is one of the pieces I studied. I think it was in first year. And uh, it made a very good impression on me musically. Mm-hmm. I love Algor's music. It's like the English version of Mahler. Um, but it, coincidentally, this was one of the pieces I conducted in my international debut uh, in Finland with the uh, principal bassoon of the Lachti Symphony Orchestra, uh, Harry Amas, I think his name was. And uh, this piece of music is its very special to me.
The Romance for Bassoon by Elgar, played there by Ingo Holland, who's based here in Cape Town, and as you heard, was Xavier's teacher. Xavier Clutter, the conductor, is my guest on People of Note. We're talking about the Mother City Orchestra, but at the moment I want to talk a little bit more about you, Xavier, and we'll come back to the orchestra, because I see that you recently got your master's degree and that your thesis was a qualitative study exploring verbal and non-verbal communication of an orchestral conductor, which relates to what we were talking about just beforehand with gestures and things. What made you choose a subject like that? I'm always fascinated with communication, whether it's language or facial expressions or how people communicate. And I thought it would be fitting to employ that idea into conducting. Not a lot of research has been done on that topic. So I thought... Okay, being a conductor, you are basically in a concert setting, a voiceless piece of communication. You are a translator of what is on paper. You have to visualize and and make your gestures seem readable and translatable for the orchestra so that uh, they can perform the music how you would like them to be in in, in a concert setting. Mm -hmm. And the verbal aspect came uh, for the rehearsal settings. So how you address the orchestra, the the, the infliction on your voice, uh, the tone of your voice, um, how you explain something, how you request something is important uh, because it's it's very psychological. The way you ask or request something from the orchestra, how to play something longer or louder or shorter or softer. Mm. Uh, it's all about communication. And so the nonverbal part also has to do with um, your gestures, how big they are, how small they are, how precise they are, yeah. uh, because that is another wide topic, accents and all of those things, how to, how to show the musicians how to do all of those things. Um, so that was a very, very long, in-depth study, <laughs> to, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> you were in a good position to do it, being a conductor and also working with student orchestras and professional orchestras. So I presume... You were the ideal person to do something like that. Are you happy with the outcome? Has it? Did you pass? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I was very happy with the outcome. Um, I interviewed about 10 conductors internationally and uh, about three or four local conductors. And um, the range of questions that I asked was from preparation for rehearsals because that will determine gestures you'll use mm-hmm. um, to questions of... Uh, what kind of facial expressions do you make? Um, is it important to have sectional rehearsals, for example? And the, the main idea was that your your gestures that you use to conduct should be of that caliber that it shaves off of the rehearsal time. If you can communicate clearly with your with your body, uh, i.e., your gestures, facial expressions, body language. You, you won't have to stop as frequently in a rehearsal because if you are easily readable uh, and musicians can translate what you're trying to say with your gestures, I, this is now in the ideal setting, of yes, course. No, I understand, I understand. <laughs> so you should be able to you know, shave off some of the rehearsal time and, and mm-hmm. use rehearsals more effectively uh, instead of stopping every five or six seconds for... To, I mean, the mark of a successful conductor is how they run their rehearsals, isn't it? Because they, they don't, you can't waste an orchestra's time, especially in professional orchestras. So you have to do a lot of preparation before you arrive at the first rehearsal, don't you? That's correct. And know what you want and how you're going to communicate to them. That's correct. That's correct. And it's important for you to always remember what you 
ask of an orchestra. Mm. It would frustrate an orchestra tremendously if on day one you, if, for example, insist on a retardando at a certain passage and tomorrow you, you exclude it from the music. <laughs> <laughs> you would confuse them. Um, yeah. But also that you stick to your ideas and your, like you said, your preparation needs to be thorough. Um, and uh, it's sometimes overlooked. Well, the audience comes to the concert and they see the concert. Uh, they don't see the five days or the four days of rehearsal before that. And they don't see your two months of preparation before mm, those go. rehearsals. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so it's sometimes it's overlooked. It's nobody's fault, really. Uh, people that uh, concert goers uh, are not... Uh, aware of the conductor. No, we go as concert goers to actually we hear the finished product, don't we? We don't know all the hours that the individual instrumentalists as well have been practicing their parts before they come to the rehearsal. That's correct. So, as, as much as the conductor needs to be prepared, the orchestra also needs yes, to be prepared. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. The uh, other thing I wanted to ask you was you talked about reading a conductor. And, for example, our orchestra here, we don't really have – we have Bernard Gurler as our principal conductor, but there are other conductors that visit. And each of them has a different style, don't they? So the orchestra literally has to learn to read what he's going to do. Like, for example, they often talk about where the downbeat is. Is it mm. yes. two beats before – you know, that sort of thing. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, like, uh, it's like your voice. Everybody has a unique voice. And uh, if I walk down the corridor and I hear you, I'll immediately say, oh, that's Rodney speaking. Yeah, that's uh, true. So when you're standing in front of an orchestra, you have your own set of kind of gestures. It's all the same. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, English language. We're all using English language. But our our dialect and our emphasis and our infliction of, of, of certain words and our voices are all different, but we, yet we are all speaking English. Yeah. So we're all conducting, whether it's in 3-4 or 4-4, four, four, uh, Everybody has their own way of, of doing it. Mm-hmm. And, and for an orchestra to be able to read a conductor takes approximately an half an hour, 20 minutes, half an <laughs> really? hour, okay. just to get used to their specific uh, style of conducting. Mm-hmm. Um, but when an orchestra f- like, like CTPO and, and now myself having the Mother City Orchestra uh, have a constant conductor, it's very easy. Uh, when I move my hand in a certain way, the orchestra will respond in a certain way. Um, so it's good to, to have a resident conductor for an orchestra. Absolutely. I mean, the great orchestras of the world are the ones that have had uh, resident conductors like Berlin or Chicago or that's, London or wherever. That's correct. There was a lovely, I don't know if you've ever saw that video called Great Conductors of the Past. And there was a wonderful comment from the clarinetist Jack Brimer, who was a well-known clarinetist in the 50s and 60s and 70s. And I remember him saying, conducting is evidence of telepathy Mm. more than anything else. It's definitely a form of telepathy that happens between you and the players and between the players themselves, I would say. That's correct. That's where the ensemble uh, and why I found it so fascinating that they could play together so Mm. so freely and so so easily. There's actually a um, a video clip of uh, Leonard Bernstein with, uh, I think it's Haydn Symphony number 88, where he does not use his hands at all. Yes, it is number 88. Yeah. I know what you mean. He just stands there. He just there. stands and eyebrows and yeah, smiles and, <laughs> and nods. And, 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 and like you said, it's telepathy. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It also forms part of the rehearsal process. Uh, if, if, if you would have done that in the rehearsal, they would have known when he nods like this, yes. they need an accent yes. here or they need louder. Or it, was smiles, it was a bit showy. It was a bit <laughs> But, it did but he point. was one of the greats, and oh, uh, yes. I would expect nothing less from him. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm a huge Leonard Bernstein fan. Yeah. But now we're going to have another piece of music. 
Dvorak Slavonic Dance Number no. 8, one of the famous Slavonic dances. Is there a special reason for you choosing this? Yes. That, that, uh, it is it, one of the f- favorite pieces of one of my mentors, Lick Temming, the conductor of KZN Philharmonic. He was uh, very influential in my, in my career. Not that other teachers of mine, Sasha Makela from Finland, Viktor Jampolski, we all know. Uh, Lick was very instrumental um, by you know, throwing me in the deep side at some points. You know, I remember mm. when I was, uh, because I, I used to conduct KZN for, for school concerts and, you know, some outreach things. And uh, I remember one morning, <laughs> uh, because we were four bassoonists in the orchestra, it was my off day, and uh, there was a, uh, an education concert. Um, and I took my daughter to school, or to crash, and, and, and I went back home, and I thought, okay, today I'm going to have a surf or something. And uh, he phoned me at eight and said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm about to head out. I'm going to go to the beach. Go conduct. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And you had to take over. I had to take over. And, and, yeah. and he, he was very instrumental in, 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 in the practical side of things, uh, putting me in front of the orchestra and, and, and saying, go and conduct. Because yeah. it's, it's, it's like riding a bike. You, know? you can read a book about riding a bicycle, but if you don't get on and fall your knees to smithereens, you will never know how to ride a bike. So uh, he was one of those people that would just he was he took me by the hand and mm-hmm. and, and said, "Come, I'll, I'll help you." And and yeah. this is one of his favorites, and uh, I'd, I'd like to dedicate this to him. <laughs>
One of the famous Slavonic dancers by Dvorak from the first set, number eight, and a choice of my guest, Xavier Kluter, the conductor of the Mother City Orchestra, which has just been launched. But you mentioned, Xavier, just now, you mentioned Durban and Lichtemming, and I said you, you were appointed principal bassoon, weren't you, first of all, and then they started giving you opportunities to conduct, like you said, school orchestras and so on. No, 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 I was not the principal bassoon. Oh, we're not principal. No, 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 okay. I was not the principal bassoon. I was part of the bassoon section okay. as a cadet at the time. You don't want to upset the principal bassoon. No, no. <laughs> well, she unfortunately passed away. Um, Vesila Minkova, beautiful person, she passed away. And ironically, uh, the Mascania was the first piece we played Two minutes after her death, oh. we received an, an SMS to say Vesi just passed away. And her husband, Lubo, was also a bassoonist in the orchestra. Yeah. And that was, a f- the, you can imagine how that went. Everybody was in tears yeah. while we were playing that. Uh, it was yeah. an outreach concert as well. Myself and, and Anele, the other bassoonist, were playing. And uh, oh, what, a, what an experience that was. Oh, my gosh. I can imagine. Yeah. I can imagine. Uh, you know, when you then came and you won the Len Fonsell competition, in 2013, one of the big things, as we said earlier, was going overseas to Philadelphia and Viktor Polsky helping you in Chicago and all the rest of it. Yeah. But you also worked with Christoph von Dohnanyi, according to this. Yes. And have yeah. you ever seen his video of rehearsing the London Philharmonic with Haydn 88? No, I have not. It is completely fascinating. Oh, you well, must get I'll, a copy. I'll definitely have a look at that. I'll lend it to you. <clears throat> what I learned from him was this relaxed environment in the yeah. rehearsal everything does not need to be so uh frenetic yeah yeah he's he's, he's in charge mm-hmm. but uh, very charismatic very laid back very yeah. Yeah. you see that in this you must see it you see it and the way he nurtures the orchestra yes. and this is the london philharmonic um yeah. and he's not bossing them around and they're yeah. not being horrible yeah. they're making music and shaping music together exactly. but he has an incredible sense of detail yes with Haydn's scores exactly yes well, yeah, and from what I learned from him was that uh, you know the rehearsal process is what I call it you know because that's where the hard work takes place mm. I take a back seat when it comes to performance because you have to guide the musicians through the performance because you've done all the work exactly the work yeah. takes place during the rehearsals and, and and with him it was you know when I listen to the radio the host you can always hear them speaking with a smile mm. and uh, <laughs> what I noticed from him is that he's always conducting with a smile and 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 that to me was you are assisting the musicians and making them feel comfortable in presenting this yes. product, basically, yeah. this yeah. this piece of music. It must be enjoyable and create that environment that does not feel uh, that they are kind of put on the spot when they have to play, but that they should enjoy. Yeah, they the, must the enjoy music it making as process. much as the audience is going to enjoy it. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. It was, it's a fascinating video for people to watch who don't know about rehearsals, people who love music. And I took it when we went on Sintelin and a couple of tours mm. uh, when I did a conductor talk to show them. It's available commercially, yeah. but um, it's well worthwhile seeing how a conductor really works. Really works. And also little balances between, uh, between sections, for example. Yeah. And saying to the flute, listen to the strings, listen. Yeah. And I want you to be just a little louder. And you hear it. It's it's magical. Yeah. It's magical. There are also some tricks in the trade, you know, like when when a, when a flute plays and, and, and it's accompanied by strings. Like uh, when, when the string players play more over the fingerboard, mm-hmm. it takes away a lot of the harmonics. So uh, 
to blend with the flute is a little easier and the overtones don't clash if there is an intonation problem. So s- sometimes tricks of the trade <laughs> help a little <laughs> bit, you know, so you have to be aware of all of these things yeah. when you prepare yeah. and see uh, which sections are playing together, which should be a little bit louder, which should be a little bit more prominent. Uh, but another thing as a conductor, I dare say you've had to learn as a young yeah. conductor, is this whole business of bowing. Like oh, you yeah. said, bowing closer to the fingerboard creates a different sort of sound yes. overtones. But yeah. also the length of the orchestra, you often hear a conductor saying, you, you've got this much bow, please use it all. Yeah. Don't yeah. just scratch your It's all circumstantial. It's, it's yeah. all uh, in that uh, the, the sound and the texture you want to create. Mm. Uh, yeah, I've had to do a lot of bowings in, over the years and because I, I was not a string player. That's, that's uh, what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. so I, I, I've read multiple books on bowings and <laughs> string technique <laughs> and how to do certain things, how to get more articulation out of the instrument, how to get a glossier sound, how to get a cleaner sound, how to get a softer sound. How to get it, it, it took for me reading so many books just to educate myself on that. And, and now I feel comfortable if I want to ask the, the, the concert master to change the bowing because of a certain effect or a certain texture I want to create. Mm-hmm. I feel comfortable to say, please change the bowing to this and that and that, and, and, and please do it like this. Use a longer bow, full, fuller bow or shorter bow stroke or play it at the tip or at the frog. Or, mm. yeah. yeah, It's all tricks. It's a fascinating <laughs> business, and this is what we don't see as an audience. Yeah. <laughs> but now your next piece of music is a bit confusing because, first of all, theoretically it's 16 minutes long. So he can't take it all. Yeah. Ravel's Bolero. Yes. What are we going to play now? What are we going to do? It's 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 a little, uh, a bit of a, a philosophical choice of mine. Uh, bolero is a <laughs> sixteen-minute-long crescendo. Yes, it is. <laughs> and yeah. I, I I found it. It's it's my dad's favorite orchestral piece of music. But I've I, I've related to it somehow because my music career started very softly, if I can call it. I started my music career as an organist. And um, to end up as a conductor, it, it's just one hell of a crescendo towards the end. Oh, I see what you're going it, with. Yeah, this. and through the years, I've had to, you know, as this piece of music comes, more and more instruments get added. I've had to increase my knowledge over the years, bit for bit for bit, um, to get to the point where I am now. Rehearsal letter 16 where the whole orchestra gets together, you know, yes. and plays all of this. It's a culmination of everything I've learned in the past the support from my wife, the support from my parents, the support from my in laws, the support from my brother, the support from everyone around me, my teachers, my mentors, everybody adding to this crescendo, which has this explosion at the end. And, and, and now that I'm, I'm, I'm resident conductor of Mother City Orchestra, a new orchestra, I'm part of. You know the birthing of this orchestra. The I, I don't. I've I've run out of words. <laughs> I mean, this this has been the highlight of my career. I'm sure. And 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 this orchestra is going to continue with this crescendo musically, and 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 the life of this orchestra is going to be so long and so successful. I can. I, I've I've I feel it. <laughs> That's a wonderful reason for playing bolero. Yeah. But yeah. we can't play it all. No. No. <laughs> Uh, if, if if you can play half of it, it's okay. Okay. <laughs> the, the second half of it. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. Thank you. 
Now that was apparently a flash mob version of part of Bolero by Ravel, and it was the choice of Xavier Kluter, the conductor, who's with me here. We've got very little time left, Xavier, but mm-hmm. as that was playing, you told me that the Mother City Orchestra did a flash mob version of Bolero at Tigerberg. What is that right? The Tiger Valley Center, Tiger Valley Shopping Center, yes. It was the first weekend um, in February. Uh-huh. It was part of a promotion that we did, and uh, we also did um, Radetzky March and uh, Vienna du Stadtmeiner Träumer. It's, it's part of our concert series. Yeah, your Strauss Gala. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. And was it, did it go down well? Were the people suitably fascinated? Oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> oh, they didn't want us to leave. They wanted more and more and more, <laughs> and we couldn't. That's always good. So, Xavier, just as we end now, I have to wish you well for a remarkably ambitious project, but you sound very positive. Everything sounds positive. The Mother City Orchestra. And you're having some opening concerts now, this week and next week. Uh, on various wine farms and elsewhere. And how do people find out about your concerts and more about you? Um, patrons would like to attend the concerts. They can um, visit our website. It's www.mothercityorchestra.co.za. And to book concerts, um, it's www.straussgala.online. They, they can book tickets directly through the website. Mm-hmm. Well, as I say, I wish you well, Xavier, and um, hoping to hear back from you in time to see how it's all going. And good on you for taking music around the country to all these places. So now you've chosen some Strauss to end your yes. exit music. Yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> Unter Donner und Blitz. Why? It's loud, <laughs> and it's, it's going to create the bang that we need okay. to, to, to get audience members. <laughs> okay, no, I'm yeah. sure you will. Thank you. Here's Don und Blitzen by Strauss, and um, as I say, my guest, Xavier Kutter. Thank you, Xavier, and best of luck to you. Thank you, Rodney, for having me. People of Note was brought to you by Peter Turin Productions.